On this week's episode, we send a wink to the secret life of Walter Mitty. Is Clementine Cake the great equalizer? Are neckties as strong as steel? And do they know the song isn't called Major Tom? Find out now you're listening to 24 Flames Per Second. Everybody and welcome to another episode of 24 Flames Per Second. Everybody, it's the podcast that roasts the films we love the most. And as always, I'm your host, Robert Bohorkas, and uh, welcome to uh, the show, everybody. We're uh, just humming along through into the new year already. Oh, shit, this is um, this is inauguration week. Oh. <laughs> when this is coming out. <laughs> I just realized that. Um, but anyways, yeah, happy inauguration day where the, the national nightmare is over, hopefully. And into different, maybe less uh, horrible nightmare, um, or dream, or whatever um, fantasy. Maybe maybe our our reality can be more like a fantasy, a utopia, even. Um, but yeah, everybody, welcome to the show. This week we are um, talking about the secret life of Walter Mitty, which uh, which rose to the top of the pile, um, and so we slipped into our uh, our January schedule here. Um, and it's, uh, it's excited to uh, get everybody together to talk about it today. Um, and so, yeah, everyone, welcome uh, welcome to the show. There might be a hot take somewhere over on the Patreon uh, for January. So um, I have no idea what that's going to be. Um, but go and uh, head over to patreon.com slash 24flamespod. Check it out. And um, also just to, uh, to help support the show if you so choose. Um, but, yeah, everybody, um, let's see here. Let's just let's get into it. Um, starting with the uh, the Sean O'Connell to my Walter Mitty, uh, all the way over there, wherever he is, is the blank wall behind him. Quasi Phillips, how's it going, man? Hello, how you doing? I am good. I am in the the gray void, as it were, of <laughs> of my home. <laughs> well, um, yeah. Uh, did you watch the movie this week? I did. I did watch the movie. I'm excited to talk to the to the team about it this time. Mm-hmm. I think that it's one of the weird little under the radar movies. Even though its budget was 90 million, it's a lot of money. I had no idea. I was like, how was it just for plane travel to <laughs> Afghanistan? Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh definitely. my god. I just I had no idea. And I, I you know what honestly though it was probably because it was just in in development hell for so long because they started principal like getting everything ready in 2005 for this movie. wow but then they switched directors a couple times owen wilson was tapped for the lead then jim carrey and then ben stiller got it and wow. then Gore Verbinski was gonna direct but then he decided to oh do the Lone ranger uh because you know that's a better decision better career decision that he decided to go with was the lone ranger um so ben stiller picked it up and directed it so uh but yeah so it's like there's a lot of things that it's pretty chaotic behind the scenes of this movie. So I'm um, curious what our, our panel will say about how it's portrayed on the screen. Although I think that it, I think it did a pretty good job. Um, but again, let's find out from our amazing panel today. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, um, that's, that's wild. How many people they were like, listen, it's, not a super funny movie, but we need a funny guy running it. Okay. We need, we need someone who can hold the reins, give us a chuckle. You know, <laughs> 
Give us something, man. And can look good in a with or without facial hair. Exactly, exactly. Please, and I, I, I never heard of the term Walter Mitty as a as kind of like a colloquialism, even though apparently oh, yeah. it is from the from the from the story written by James Thuber, Like that was apparently a, a, a common thing. Was oh, he's being a regular Walter Mitty, just like a daydreamer. Yeah. But I I heavily identify with this main character. Like you have no idea how many times <laughs> I found myself lost in a daydream. And like then, I am. And everyone's like, if, uh, and Quasi, what do you think? And you're like, I don't know what you're talking huh? about. What? <laughs> I have been there. I have been there. This is this dude. I I fully identify with. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we'll see. Sweet. Well, uh, well, very good. I think. Yeah. Let's. Um. We can just jump right on into the uh, into the panel, and we'll start with the roasters. Uh. First up, we got a uh, co-producer of Seattle's The Moth and a storyteller. You can find her on Twitter at Casey Rom. Casey Rom. Hello. Hello. How's it Hello. going? Hello. Um, it's going all right. My dog learned how to break out of her crate today. Yes. What a smart dog. (laughs) She had learned how to undo the latches quite a while ago. And so I uh, got like a carabiner to add an extra layer. And today she learned that she's very small and that if she takes both latches out, she can still fit between the door when the carabiner's on it. So now I have to rig something new tomorrow. (laughs) Dogs are uh, yeah. dogs are sheet, smart. Sheet metal, just a free <laughs> I- free idea. Uh, uh, do you have a spot welder? Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sure we can get we can get those gates secure. Don't worry. I think I think hair tie is gonna be my savior here. Yes. Got it. Yeah. If you tie her legs up, she can't go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Not what I meant. No, no, we we know what you're talking about. <laughs> Um, well, very good. It's great to have you on the show uh, again. And let's see. Also roasting this week, director of photography and Trace Sarah. Find them on social media at Grace and Arts. Russell, hey. How's it going? Hello. Um, How are you? Russell, hey. I'm I'm doing good. I am. Uh, I, I'm glad that this uh, podcast gave me an opportunity to watch this this movie because I had never seen it before. Oh, okay. okay. And then nice. he just is here to roast it. So he just, like he calls Robert immediately. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> Samurai swords are sharpened. Oh, shit. Um, well, very good. It's uh, it's great to have you here. And on the defense this week, filmmaker and political activist. You can find him on social media at True Cody Olson. Cody Olson. Hello. Hey. Hey. How you doing? Good. Doing good. Good to see you guys virtually. And uh, like Russell, I'm, uh, I had seen this film before, but I was really excited to get an excuse to watch it. I feel like I watch this film almost once a year now. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I'm a big fan, really excited to talk about it. Uh, yeah. Nice. Well, well, thank you for, uh, for being here to talk about it. Um, and you know how this goes. First things first, we got a movie in a minute. Um, and so, yeah, if you would, Cody, uh, we'll give you... 60 seconds and a three count to give us the full plot synopsis of The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Spoilers and all. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. Here we go. In a three, a two, a one, a go. Walter Mitty is a negatives manager at, uh, at Life Magazine, the equivalent of time. He's also a daydreamer. He frequently gets kind of lost in his mind thinking about these like fun, fantastical scenarios. He also has a thing for one of his coworkers. Um, 
and but he's a little timid and has sort of trouble kind of breaking out of his shell. Um, he gets sent a, uh, a stream, uh, I'm not sure what it's called, a roll of film, and one of the pictures, negative 25, is identified by Sean O'Connell as the quintessence of Life Magazine. Life Magazine is shutting down. This will be its final issue. They want to use, Sean, Sean wants to use 25 to be the cover, but 25 is not in the roll. He can't find it. Walter Mini goes on a quest first to Greenland and then to Iceland to track down Sean in hopes of getting the photograph and bringing it back for the cover. Doesn't find him there, comes back home, gets fired, goes back out now with his mom. And hey. you're out of time. Um, well, let's see. Cody, Cody, Life Magazine was a real magazine, you know. Oh, I did not. Yep. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yep. Really? Yeah, there's Time Magazine and also Life Magazine, was it? Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. when... Okay, all right, cool. Uh, yeah, I will... went looking, and it shut down around the 2010s. A little earlier, but yeah, it yeah. was... Oh, so not, like, too, too long before the film. Like... The internet got him. The <laughs> internet got him. Hi, Cabbage. You heard Life Magazine, and your old brain <laughs> needed to know more. Um... But uh, but yeah yeah so they didn't um their the internet version of it is now like a photo archive I think because that was kind of their whole steez was they were like send out photojournalists and get interesting human okay interesting I'm googling stories. it real quick because now I'm curious if the if the mantra that they have in the movie is the real life one for the magazine or if it's something that they brought in I don't know I don't know but um. Anyways, the plot of the movie. Um, yeah, he comes home from Iceland, um, gets fired, uh, goes to Cheryl's house to give her boy a skateboard, um, and there's a man there, he assumes is her husband, or it is her ex-husband, I was, it was unclear to me. Um, but, uh, but yeah, and so he's kind of wallowing in his whole, like, ah, my adventure did not turn up the thing and I'm fired. Um, and he has these, yeah, he's following these photo clues from the negatives, um, and turns out one is his mom's piano question mark. Um, and his, uh, mom gives him the clue about like, Oh, he said he had to go talk to warlords with my cake in Afghanistan. And so, uh, he pees out to Afghanistan to the uh, Himalayas with some cake. He meets the warlords, um, eventually finds Sean who's trying to take a picture of uh, snow leopards. Um, and it turned out that the, photo was in the wallet he sent him the whole time it was like a cute little joke with a very valuable photo um because it's not, not the time for jokes i'm gonna say that you know what end of last thing not the time you want to play games yeah <laughs> with irreplaceable artifacts <laughs> <laughs> um and so uh let me see. I'm trying to remember. His mom saves the wallet, right? She was the one that picked yes. up out of the garbage? Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, and so he's flying back from after playing soccer in Afghanistan with Sean Penn. Um, he flies back, gets detained at TSA because he's being combative with them. No, he, he was traveling <laughs> to Afghanistan through Yemen. Oh, so TSA right. is going to check that shit. Yeah. And then he also started a fight with them he also started a fight with them. <laughs> yeah, he's getting arrested so it's probably not going good either way but he does kick a shit that, yeah, yeah. Oh, that um but he's saved by uh pat oswalt who is e harmony todd 
um, is the one person he knows in L.A. Um, and they get Cinnabon, and then he goes home, and uh, they have the photo. And he takes it and gives it to the uh, to Adam Scott, who's the horrible corporate new guy running the internet magazine. Um, and they put it on the cover, and it turns out to be this nice photo of of Walter Mitty, the photo, negatives asset manager, looking at negatives, sitting on the on the ledge outside of Time Magazine next to the thing. It's a very, it's a nice portrait of 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 him. Um, and then that's kind of the end of the movie. Um, we see it's this cover reveal, and he goes on a date with Cheryl. And who knows what happens after that? Um, her boy's doing kickflips on longboards, and there's motorcycles outside. <laughs> <laughs> you know that was Rodney Mullen who was the skateboarding stunt double. Of course, it was fantastic. Absolutely, I, I knew it. He was doing handstands and shit. Yeah, <laughs> it's like you you got time. They don't have time to spare with anybody else. They bring in the the big guns. The best to, to skateboarding. <laughs> they need to do. Um, but uh, but yeah, everybody, that is the secret life of Walter Mitty. We made it to the end of Time Magazine of Life Magazine, um, and so yeah, everybody, we are going to take a quick break. When we come back, we uh, will get your opening statements, Cody. Why are you here defending the movie, everybody? We will be right back. And we're back, everybody. Welcome back to The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Um, and just for the break, Cody, you uh, made it to Iceland, uh, but not, Afghanistan, not, I would not much farther. No, no, you didn't get to Afghanistan. Um, uh, in a movie in a minute. Hey, people, please check the tape. I, I was there. I lived it. Um, but uh, but yeah, everybody. Um, and so now, Cody, let's uh, let's get your opening statements. Why are you here defending the secret life of Walter Mitty? Yeah, I like this film a lot. I think I think it's both a, a beautiful ode to travel and and sort of like stepping outside your comfort zone, and is also I think a really poignant kind of character study of this guy who is uh, who's he's he's obviously like skilled. He's been you know, work in this job, he, he has passions, but he kind of is just too insular and like, can't really break out of that. He daydreams a lot. And so it's, it's a really nice character journey too, that I think kind of highlights that sometimes our sort of strengths and weaknesses are two sides of the same coin. Because one of the elements that I dig is that his sort of journey is not, it's not eradicating the, um, the daydream. Like that's actually part of what gets him to, as he says later in the film, it's what gets him where he needed to go onto that helicopter. But it's allowing himself to like be present, not only subsist off of the daydreaming and sort of let the daydreaming maybe buoy him as well, just a little less frequently. Um, yeah, it, it's really hard to for me to watch the film and not uh, be really, I don't know, just happy. I like it. Okay, so Roasters. I think a great place to start is just the, just the premise of the movie, the fa- these fantasies that get that get him going, um, and gone. Uh, okay, uh, Casey's uh, motioning to me to start. Um, yeah, so I I think like for me trying to buy into this um, in, in into the entire premise of of the film that his fantasies are going to drive him to um, actually take action um, in his life um, feels. Uh, I don't know, a, a little half-baked. Like, we all have these fantasies of punching the jerk in the elevator or the jerk at work, right? We all have those fantasies. Um, 
almost nobody ever uh, acts on them. Um, and like, and, and and so like the bridge between having the fantasies and actually taking action, um, I think just was not really well established in the, in the film. Um, and so I just could not buy into, um, into the, the entire premise that this was, would drive his, his life into, um, a direction where he was actually taking action. Yeah, that's a good point because I, I actually liked the premise of the fantasy sequences. I remember being really like intrigued by the trailer for this movie and the way that it kind of set it up. And I, I liked the way that they interacted with the real world and all of that. But in the beginning of the movie, every time he has one of these fantasy sequences, he doesn't actually do anything. He doesn't ask out the girl. He doesn't stand up to the boss. He just kind of zones out and everyone thinks he's kind of a weirdo. And, and that's all fine. But then when we get to the part of the movie where he decides to take some kind of action, um, the fantasy sequences kind of fade out or maybe they don't it's really unclear um basically from space oddity on like is this actually happening is he actually fighting a shark is he actually seeing a photographer stand on top of an old plane you know flying into a volcanic eruption like it just seems so unlikely some of these things that i'm like is that part of the drift out or is it really real and and that line got blurred because of how fantastical his brain works in the beginning. That's an interesting point that I, I hadn't actually considered that before, that some of the things that you see kind of post-helicopter might be fantasies. Um, I, that's, I, that's not my reading of it, of it, and I don't think that's super supported by the film. Um, but uh, yeah, I, don't, I guess I liked that his adventures are kind of, there's there's big things happening, but to me, other than the shark, they're really not, they're not too larger than life. For me, you, I think you could draw a pretty clear distinction between the way that the fantasies go and the way they escalate and are super action intensive and the way his travels are, which are like, which are cool and adventures and fulfilling, but he's not like punching out bad guys every minute, which is more often, I imagine how it is when you travel to Greenland, you're not punching out bad guys. <laughs> well, I mean, and, until he gets to the TSA, right? And then uh, he picks a fight. Um, but sure. like, it, so I, I have to disagree with you about the um, not being the the confusion not being supported by the film, um, because there's literally like right after he gets pulled out of the um, out of the water from the shark, he like touches the guy's face and he's like, "You're real." So like, they do actually set up the. Um, the idea that the lines between reality and his his fantasies are actually blurring at that point. Um, so, but I, I but I think that line is is specifically to tell the audience, hey, all this is happening. So I think it's sort of if if that question was lingering out there, it's to get ahead of that and go, hey, this guy who has dreamed of these fantastical things is you know is living in it and is is currently like you know, trying to get his bearings a little bit and touching a face and going, Oh my God, I'm here. Okay. I got to pay attention. Yeah. I, th I think that if they had leaned into that a little bit more, it would have read better. Um, but I thought that the way that it was implemented, um, Oh God, 
I just said implemented. Uh, the the way that it that it that it was in the film, um, I think, just added to the confusion. Yeah, I think at the end they try to make it seem like maybe his fantasies were, you know, intrinsically linked to the to the dissatisfaction he has with his life because he says when he meets Todd, like, yeah, I'm not really doing that anymore, which is fine, but it just it it seemed to like expositional and like ham-fisted at the end to throw that in when we've already seen from the movie hopefully that that's the case but I also I think that that line was the only reason that I understood that yes those things were happening I think and so yeah I'm still kind of confused at this point about it but um I it was it was disappointing to me because I thought the trailer was really effective and really beautiful. And some of those sequences were really cool. Like I loved the elevator fight scene with the stretch Armstrong. And I like, I really enjoyed that. And I almost wanted more of that and less of like, okay, he's super badass now in one second of decision. <laughs> well, that's interesting. Cause you're bringing up a point that a lot of critics had was that the original story of uh, secret life of Walter Mitty was written to him being lived like all of it was lived in his mind and it wasn't ever it never ever came to fruition and that's kind of the story is that this man can't get out of his own head and so then this then the the remake that they had it's actually becoming part of his life and he actually does get out of his own head so i don't know cody what you think about whether or not that's just a reflection of hollywood trying to make something that you can't end it on like a really sad note or um, whether or not it actually made the story a lot more compelling to have it actually start happening to him. Well, yeah, and I, I think it gets to the question that I would understand, you know, I haven't seen the original movie or uh, I think or read the original, it's a short story, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I would understand if a purist kind of came and said, hey, I this thing meant a lot to me and I feel like the reinterpretation didn't quite jive. I can get that. Um, I came into this movie having no real affiliation with the story. And so what I really took away from it was the travel sequences. Um, I didn't dislike the fantasy sequences, but I think for me, part of the reason, like I don't necessarily mind them falling off is because for me, the film really, I, I liked it, but it steps up a notch when it goes to Greenland and Iceland and later Afghanistan. Um, so I would be, I would not be as much of a fan of this film if it was just him in this office having these fantasies. Um, but I also feel like maybe there's something to be said for the merging of the two a little bit, that it is this guy who has these fantasies there. You know, you could maybe argue detrimental to his life or at least allowing him to kind of continue to exist in this like little safe place and, and not really have to get out there. Um, but turn it on its head and kind of have it be like, hey, this this thing, this guy actually almost had this chance to go travel and maybe be the person he wanted to be decades ago, but life circumstances took him in a very different path and he's maybe going to finally rekindle that. Um, so so I, I like that a lot, but I, I think that would be a fair point if someone went, this is not the short story I came for. Um, yeah, I, I would see that. Hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, I also have no connection to the source material, but I think that, I think that sounds a little a little melancholy. I'm not really upset by the direction they attempted to take. I just don't know that they successfully did it. Yeah, in terms of turning it into 
into him traveling and wanting to go out there. Yeah, I, I, I think because it seems like what he learns from all of his travels is that, like, he should ask out the girl he likes. And they spend so much time apart in the movie that I don't really believe their love story at all. Like, it just, it seems like that was really thrown together at the last minute or like, oh, no, we have Kristen Wiig and we didn't do anything with her. And they still continue to not really do anything with her by the end. Like, both of these characters come off so dull. Even after he's done all this cool shit, he's still just, like, their interactions with each other are so dull. And I don't know if that was meant to be, like, (laughs) awkward flirtation, but it did not translate that way to me. (laughs) Yeah, I I wrote down that I liked the, their interactions are genuinely awkward, but I, they also felt to me to be, like, endearing and and true to life in some ways. Um, But I actually want to go back just a a little bit to what you were saying that they spend most of the film apart. And I think you're right. But I also think again, that the film is as much about himself and his own sort of journey of, of self discovery as it is him working up the courage to ask out this girl. I think the movie wouldn't have resonated with me as much if it was like this guy learns the courage to ask out this girl when I think the sort of larger lesson is, you know, be, be like fulfilled and be happy in your own life. And then coincidentally, that kind of makes it a little easier to go out there and, you know, maybe after you've, you've had some genuinely scary encounters with a shark, you're like, I, I will ask out this girl, you know, it's, and it it really does. It starts to put things in perspective. You're just less in your head. So I, I liked that those two things are intermingled, but that you're right. It's not just their love story. Yeah. I mean, I, so I would agree with you if the entire movie wasn't framed, uh, both at the beginning and the end about their relationship. Right. And so the first thing you see is him, um, you know, trying to click on a wink, um, to her, um, uh, online profile. Right. And the last thing you see is them, um, going on a date. And so like that sets the entire tone and the entire theme of the movie, like regardless of anything that happens, the very first image and the very last image is what the movie is about. Um, and so like, had they started it differently, um, so that it was more focused on him, um, rather than on the relationship, then I could buy that argument. But the fact that the entire movie is framed around their relationship, um, and him trying to basically work up the courage to, to ask her out, I just don't think that that works. Yeah. And it is, you know, I was thinking about that, that the film, it, it very much starts with the wink, uh, the attempted wink on eHarmony and ends with them coming together it almost goes from like a to y back to b in a strange way and but i guess for me it it worked because even even when he is trying to wink at her and maybe there was something else they could have started it with i still feel like there's in that sequence he kind of gets up from his computer he walks back he walks back to the computer to me there was there was still this physicality to it that felt like this guy who needed to kind of burst out of the box he had put himself in even though the action he was struggling with was the wink, but it felt already kind of bigger. Like if, if Cheryl had immediately responded with like, I accept your wink. Yay. He still would have had growth to do. 
Yeah, and I think I, I, I'm not disagreeing with you, right, uh, on on that point. I just think that um, it did a disservice to um, to the, the the message that I think they were trying to do um, by layering in this love interest. Like, had it been had take Kristen Wiig completely out of the movie um, and, and take the love interest completely out of the movie. That's still a really solid movie. And I think that that would have been a better choice. Um, but we're constantly thrown these relationships in movies um, to, I mean, I, I, I'm going to show a little bit of my bias, but to reinforce uh, uh, the heteronormative uh, behavior of America Um constantly like in every movie there is some love interest that plays a part right in in like no pretty much like no matter what movie it is there's a heterosexual couple and a heterosexual love interest like i can't actually think of a movie i haven't uh, that that i've seen um other than you know specifically things like call me by your name uh <laughs> uh which even then yeah. he has a heterosexual love interest. Right, exactly. <laughs> uh, which, yeah. Um, and so, like, I think that that I think that that did a disservice to this movie. Take that out, and I think it's a really strong. It, like, it could have been a really strong movie to focus entirely on him. Well, and I right? think his interactions with his family are way too far and few, few and far between. Like, they're they're the ones that are really providing the context of like what happened to him after his dad died and how he became this person in the first place. And like, how are you going to put Catherine Hahn in your movie and give her almost nothing to do? And, and I think that, yeah, you could, you could eliminate Kristen Wiig almost completely from this movie. And you would still have a really compelling story. If you focus a little more on his family and like the situation at the magazine and, and the negatives, I think the movie should have started and ended with you know the negative and the and the note from Sean and then ending with the cover, I think that would yep. be perfectly acceptable to to me and to get that message. And yeah, I think the love interest story just really muddies it. I'll say two things um, to to sort of agree with you guys, even though those elements for me do work. Um, but I do think the relationship in the film wrestled that I that resonated with me the most and that I felt like was the most sort of unique thing that the movie was bringing was Walter Mitty and Sean. And they're kind of the climax, uh, the emotional climax in a way does feel like when Mitty meets Sean, that's sort of been his quest. Um, and I thought that was an interesting dynamic that I would not have complained if there was, if there was more of that for sure. Again, with, you know, with the caveat that I also liked the, the Kristen Wiig, Walter Mitty thing. Um, I wrote down one more note, but it doesn't make sense anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that happens. We we tend to to meander sometimes, but um, I think that this movie sort of meanders, so it's fitting. <laughs> Although I would say I think everything the movie introduces gets paid off. It's I I agree with you that like the film does kind of have a couple different hats that it's wearing, but I also think there's no element that goes unserved, whether or not that's successful. I see what you're saying, like Russell and Casey, you're like, I could have done without that subplot. But the subplots are never discarded, you know? And, and in that way, I kind of like how lean the film feels. It's like, Stretch Armstrong is introduced. Here's the payoff, Stretch Armstrong. Um, 
you know, he gets the skateboard. Skateboarding was introduced. Oh, he's actually pretty good. Guess what? He's going to have to use that later. Um, it, it all kind of feels like this cool chessboard that pieces are being put on and then later paid off. They definitely have a really good handle on Chekhov's gun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even all the, the photographic clues and, and how that kind of pays off at the end. I don't know. Maybe I wanted this to be a mystery. I don't. I don't really know what I wanted from it, but I think it tries to do so many things that it ended up just kind of being a disappointment. Because, like I said, I I had a lot of hype for this movie. The trailer was really effective to me, and what I got from it was not exactly what I was hoping for. Um, and I think it's just because almost too much happens, and like you could throw out any any one of them if you you know have a least favorite like I, I saw a lot of reviews that were like why todd todd doesn't need to be there it's so like <laughs> the suspension of disbelief is already so high in this movie that now i have to believe that he's making cell phone calls from a mountain in afghanistan <laughs> like it's just it's a I, little much i knew i knew the cell phone call from the himalayas was going to come up um <laughs> I, and my my defense for that is a yeah like a, <laughs> that's a critique absolutely b i think i'm willing to make that leap for more pat oswald who i think is both is both utilized well but not overutilized it's like just the right amount of him but yeah there is an element of like wait where is he again when he's taking this call you know you're like yeah all right whatever you just roll with it Afghanistan is a modern society. They could have cell service. In the Himalayas. In the middle of the mountain range. I'm just saying. <laughs> I um, thought I saw a tower. <laughs> it would be worth looking into because there are all these stories about, you know, he's not on Everest, but he's in the Himalayas about how well-traveled Everest is now to the point where it's like almost comical. It would be freaking wild if we're here complaining about it, and they're like, "Yeah, no, we get cell service, whatever." Man, they have a ba- they, all the base camps that they have for people who are trying to get up to Everest, yeah. and all the rich people who are like, "I don't have my service." They surely, surely, there must be something. I'm just saying, don't count Todd out. Listen, I'm gonna laugh hard if that's accurate. Out of like everything in the movie, I'm gonna laugh if that is accurate. He's out in snow leopard country. <laughs> they don't have stuff where the snow leopards are. <laughs> Um, I have one more note about corporate responsibility on my sheet before we unmask I know Russell wanted to talk about that yeah so um, wow Um, there's um, lots of product placement for two very very problematic companies Mm. Um, so eHarmony first of all let's talk about them Uh, so uh, they do not allow uh, same-sex um, uh, couples, they are same-sex uh, um, profiles. Uh, it is strictly man and woman, um, and strictly cis man and woman. Um, and uh, they they blame this on their algorithm because they didn't blah 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 whatever. Um, great. So, uh, but. You know, they they are actually like faith based and uh, are using that as as the reason why um, if you dig into it, that's why they don't allow. Um, Hmm. And then we have Papa John's, which 
hmm, we know how Papa John is um, and have seen how much of a bigot he is, both uh, to gay people, to um, to people who are uh, people of color, um, and um, how absolutely right-wing and fucking crazy that man is. Um, and so to have a movie that has... And, and, all of this was known at the time that this movie was made. So to have this movie have both of them in that seems like it has to have been a conscious decision. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, like, um, I really had a problem with that as they started bringing that in. Like, okay, I can, like, okay, eHarmony, whatever. Um, but then as soon as Papa John's came in, I was like, ugh, okay, I am going to sit through this. Um, but, uh, I really, really, really didn't like, did not appreciate the fact that they had both of those companies in this movie. Well, and if you're trying to just like have that one throw away line from the mom about working at a pizza place with dads, like Papa Murphy's is right there. It's right there for you. (laughs) Just saying. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, that, that sucks. And that's, um, yeah, that's shitty corporate sponsorship that you don't want to see in your film. Um, it's I, I would be curious to know how much control over the corporate sponsorship the you know creative forces behind the film had versus the studio. But you know, but that yeah, that's still something that you look at and go, oh, that's that is not what I want to see. In this film. Yeah. Yeah. Luckily, the Papa John's was only in it about twice. Um, <laughs> Now, eHarmony was, of course, in it pretty much the entire movie. Uh, but, but if they had taken out the love interest uh, storyline, then eHarmony would have gone away. Um, unfortunately, Todd would have gone away too, but um, maybe he was a life coach instead of. Yeah, there uh, might have been a way to work yeah. him in otherwise. <laughs> they would have replaced it with like Chick fil A or something else. <laughs> Jimmy Jones. Mm. Yeah, I <laughs> another problem. This like what other problematic companies can we throw in here? Oh, we don't, you know, maybe yeah. he went to a Hobby Lobby. <laughs> <laughs> He's a craftsman. <laughs> it's also worth noting that there are no Papa Johns in Iceland. That's not real. It's all a yeah. lie. Though I so for a moment, if we divorce myself, maybe from the the Papa Johns specifically, but. I, whether or not there's a Papa John's in, in Iceland, I did like that there was this like sort of staple of American food, of, of like American fast food in a foreign country. Cause I liked, I really dug the way that the film both, it captured like the romanticism of travel and also the occasional banality of it. And mm-hmm. I think anyone who's traveled has been there where you're like, you're, you're in this place and it's different and cool and sexy. And then you're like, oh, it's a McDonald's. <laughs> You know, it's like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave that out of the Instagram picture. I, I like. I have it. probably been to McDonald's in 15 plus countries. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say because McDonald's in other countries is not the same. Uh, I will at say, all. like, at all. Yeah. I, I. So the the last time that I was in um, England, um, I it was like middle of the night. It was one of the only things open, um, and went in and you know went to mcdonald's curry sauce with your fries mm. holy shit curry sauce with your fries yep. that needs to be in all mcdonald's <laughs> one of the best burgers i've had in my life was at a burger king spot in an istanbul mall 
<laughs> I can't. It was delicious. <laughs> and that's what well. the story's about, right? <laughs> Enjoying life's life's blessings in other countries. I did. Film got to have both those things. I'm not shy. We are we've, we're we're reminiscing about travel. It's time to unmask. Um, we've gone past. It's time. It's ready. Um, and so, uh, yeah, everybody, let's talk about um, how we really feel about it. Uh, Cody, if you want to go first. Yeah, I everything I said about this film is is how I feel about it. Oddly enough, I watched it for the first time while I was I was traveling after college. Um, I think I was in Ecuador, and somebody was watching it at the hostel that I just got to. And we were about 20 minutes into the movie. And so, like, I, the first time I watched the movie, it was, like, kind of exclusively the travel portion. Um, and so that both spoke to me in the moment. And then I later, I think, when I got home, rewatched the film in its entirety. And, uh, yeah, I, I just, I really, I like how earnest it is. I like that it's owed to travel and um, how, how kind of quirky the character is, too, without kind of looking down on him. Yeah. Casey? Uh, yeah, I actually really love this movie. <laughs> I um, I feel a lot of the same ways that Cody described about it. I think it does a really good job of like marrying things from the beginning of the movie to the end of the movie and having those little connections made. I did have to suspend disbelief at points, but I just I, it makes me happy and I don't really care that it's not by definition, a perfect film. <laughs> Good soundtrack, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Russell? Oh, I loved this movie. Wow. It was, like, despite the corporate sponsorship, uh, which I do have problems with, um, <laughs> I actually really enjoyed it. Like, I was, I was like, rolling the floor laughing uh, for some of it. Um, the only thing I... Uh, the only other thing that I didn't really enjoy is Adam Scott's beard. Uh, he that does not work on him. Mm-hmm. We gotta talk about that. Why didn't we talk about the beard? Died or not died? That, that's for the that's for the extended play. It worked yeah. for the darkest timeline version of Adam Scott. Fair. Uh, Quasi. No, yeah, it's great, man. It's it's visually arresting. It's 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 one of the most beautiful movies I've ever seen. Like, they absolutely crushed it with the cinematography. I was, it, it is, I mean, first of all, any movie, you have to suspend disbelief. I feel like that's, for me, I'm always like, this is a fucking movie. Whatever happens, happened to my face. I'm okay with it, right? <laughs> but, but like, this movie, yeah, there were some parts where it was just kind of like, oh, that's fun, but it doesn't really make sense, but okay. And you just kind of have this, like, little moment of a story that happens. It's like, it's like a baked potato it's it's like it's like it's like a, 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 a it's like a cup of vanilla ice cream on a warm summer day. It just hits you in the right spot when you need it. You know what I mean? It's just like nice, nice, nice. and then yeah. that's that's it. So it's just one of those movies. It's just like nice. Yeah, yeah. I uh, ow ow ow! Don't bite me. Um, I I'm trying. I'm petting her to keep her quiet, and she bit me. Um, the what was I gonna say? Oh yeah, this is the first time I'd seen it, um, and I thought it was good. It didn't like blow me away. The plot, in, the plot convenience things, kind of added up over a time where I was just like, okay, like cell service in the mountains, all right, guy, like <laughs> that's nice. But um, uh, and also there, there's another moment, uh, and we can talk about these in the post show too. But like, um, it's <laughs> when 
he finds Sean O'Connell in the mountains, and he's like, "Don't you can't move the goat. It'll never show up. The snow leopard." And they're like rolling around and having full volume conversations, like, and the snow leopard just like comes out. I guess that that shit doesn't happen. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, there are a lot of those little things where I was just like, "I'll allow it," like, um, and it just. Uh, but 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 generally, I did I did like it. I thought like kind of the unraveling of you know finding out where and how we got to the photo was really fun um and and yeah i mean the cast is so good like it's hard to really be upset because there's a lot of great folks in this um and the fantasy sequences were great i loved the stretch armstrong fight that was so good the benjamin button thing was fucking weird but i liked that too hilarious Um, one of the most comedic parts, though, is when he's trying to describe the plot of Benjamin Button. <laughs> he's like, I don't know, I never, I didn't see it actually, but, um, but, but yeah, I mean, I thought it was, it's this very whimsical movie that you know, it's not, it's not here to purposely hurt anybody, I suppose, um, and yeah, it's, it's it's nice, it is nice, it is like a vanilla ice cream on a summer day, um, which makes me want nice. Um, but, uh, but, but yeah, um, it's good. I'm excited to talk more about it on the post show. Um, and so, yeah, everybody, uh, that's going to do it for that, for this, for the episode. Um, and we're going to keep talking about it on the post shows we mentioned. Um, so if you want to listen to extended play, which is, uh, just for our Patreon supporters, head over to patreon.com slash 24 flames pod. There's a bunch of good stuff over there. In addition to the extended play, you got to check it out. Um, Let's see. What else? If you got thoughts about The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, Life Magazine, uh, Major Tom, the the misnamed thing throughout the whole movie that drove me insane. Um, you can uh, you can email us at 24flamespod at gmail.com. You can uh, follow us on social media at 24flamespod. And uh, wherever you get your podcasts, go leave a rating, review, subscribe. Uh, help us help more people find the show and make the show better um help us help you so um yeah wherever that is uh please we appreciate it so much um and so uh yeah everybody this uh this episode was produced and hosted by me robert bohorkis is co-hosted by quasi phillips uh the panels this week the roasters were casey rom and russell hay the defense is Cody Olson. Our show music is composed and performed by Rob Joins and Will Paulson. And our network and co-op, Party Fish Media, is produced by Quasi Phillips, Will Paulson, and me. Um, and so, yeah, everybody, we're just uh, we're just humming along here. Um, happy inauguration. Um, and uh, let's see, what's coming up next week that you can look forward to? Um, I didn't put it in my schedule, but I believe it's Mean Girls. Um maybe that doesn't seem quite right i feel like there's another one that i'm missing um but but whatever um we're into we're almost into february um and yeah everybody we're just uh, excited to keep the keep everything rolling um and so we hope you come back and listen uh, listen to that i'm i'm now i'm very confident it is me and girls um okay great good um but yeah everybody we'll uh we'll catch you then we'll catch you next week um until then everybody have a good time we'll see you later bye bye Bye. Bye.
Partyfish Media. Partyfish Media acknowledges that it operates and records on indigenous Duwamish and Puget Sound Coast Salish land that is still home to the Duwamish tribe. This land is stolen in violation of the Point Elliott Treaty of 1855. We are committed to uplifting the name of these lands and community members from these nations who reside alongside us. For more information on this land, its people, or ways you can help, visit duwamishtribe.org or realrentduwamish.org.